0: What is up? You are watching the College Lacrosse weekday recap and weekend preview show. It is week seven. I think this is our fifth or sixth uh, weekday show that we've done on uh, Thursday, that we put out on Thursdays. So we have a ton of good games today. We had three games going to overtime. We had a uh, Quinn, uh, Quinnipiac and Hartford went into overtime. Holy Cross and Brown went into two overtimes. And Harvard and Boston U went into three overtimes. We have a bunch of other games to talk about, including number 11. Notre Dame hitting the road and playing Michigan, so let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it, but first, before I do, you must go to LaxFactor, laxfactor.com. We have t-shirts, $10, $10 t-shirts, $3 shipping, so $13 all in. You get yourself a LaxFactor t-shirt. Visit our website, www.laxfactor.com. Come and go buy yourself a t-shirt there's a bunch of other t-shirts there but we have specifically the cheap lax factor t-shirts so there's that but let's not waste any more time for real now and let's get into this yeah. the first game I want to talk about today. Number 11, Notre Dame went on the road to play Michigan. Michigan was sitting at 3-3 at the time, Notre Dame at 3-2. Notre Dame pulls out a 12-9 win. They they were up 12-8 late, and Michigan got a late goal. It was close throughout most of the first half. Notre Dame would get up by a goal or two. Michigan would answer back and get back to within a goal. A goal with 32 seconds gave Notre Dame a 7-4 lead. It was scored by Hallenbeck from Gleason. Notre Dame held an 8-6 lead after Costabile scored with 4.41 remaining in the third, Michigan scored two goals over 59 seconds towards the end of the third to tie the game at eights. And at this point, it's just like, okay, you know, this is Notre Dame. You you wouldn't expect anything less from them to play another, you know, barn burning game. Notre Dame scored with one second left in the third to take the lead back. Notre Dame went on to score the first three goals of the fourth and uh, ended up With a 12 to eight lead late in the fourth, Alex Bucanavage on the game, despite Michigan's loss, Alex Bucanavage was a savage. I see what I did there. I didn't actually intend for that. He he had three goals, two assists on the day. He played incredible all game long. The big thing with him, he's it's pretty incredible how he's able to get a shot off no matter how. How excellent a defense is being played on him! His his last goal of the game, the one that to make it 12-9, he had the, it was perfect defense by the Notre Dame defender. He was you know kind of going down the the right alley when tried to come back up and ended up shooting off the defender's hip, but still perfectly covered, uh, screened the goalie and everything though. But Buck and Average had an excellent game. Matt Schmidt, Notre Dame's goalie, on paper he played terrible. It was almost like he didn't. He tried not to save. Uh, any 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 shots. In in fairness to him, as I watched the game, I didn't notice that he only had three saves throughout the whole game. So there's that. But yeah, he comes away with just three saves on the day, which was pretty terrible. Tommy Height, he looked great for Michigan in, in net despite the loss again for Michigan. 13 saves on the day. Notre Dame was led by Brendan Gleason. He goes two goals and an assist. Wheaton Jacoby or Jackaboyce. I always want to call it Jacoby, but I guess it's Jackaboyce, or that's at least what the announcers were saying. It looks like it should be a fancy way to spell Jacoby. He goes for one goal, two assists. Quinn McCann and Connor Moran each go for two goals. For Michigan, Avage, as I said, three goals, two assists, and Bryce Clay, three goals. He had a hat-trick on the day. So in the end, Michigan, they showed. Sitting at three and four with the schedule they have left, that's not a good place to be with their Big Ten schedule coming up because the Big Ten schedule is going to be pretty brutal for them. Uh, Notre Dame, Sitting at four and two, though heading into their, you know, the the bulk of their ACC schedule, they're happy. Four and two is excellent for Notre Dame right now. They're sitting at number eleven. So big win for the Fighting Irish. Gleason had a great game, and uh, holy crap! If you if you get a chance to see Michigan play, make note. I believe Buckenavage's number was forty two. Kids, a hell of a lacrosse player, and he's going to do big things. All right, so we had a bunch of games over the weekend go into overtime. The first one, Quinnipiac. Beats Hartford 17 to 16 in overtime. The game winner was scored by James Tomick for Tomzik for Quinnipiac. Holy Cross beat Brown 11, 10 in two overtimes. Drew Babiak, Babiak, Babic, who knows how to pronounce that kid's name. He scores a hat-trick, his third goal of the game, the game winner in the second overtime, which, uh, you know, great job for Holy Cross to beat Brown. And now Brown, you know, that's a that's a bad loss for them. They, they win that game. They're kind of sitting pretty. They lose that game. It's not, not good for them getting into the, the heart of their Ivy League play, which the Ivy League is fairly brutal here this year. And then we move on to the third overtime game of Tuesday night, Harvard sitting at three and three coming into the game, Boston U sitting, or no, Harvard was sitting at two and four coming into the game. The game Boston U was sitting at six and two. And first half, total back and forth. Edge Boston U. They're up 5-4 at the half. Boston U scores four goals to start the third, taking a 9-4 lead late into the third. Harvard scored the game's next six goals from there. They go on a crazy run, score six goals, starts with 353 left in the clock. Uh they take a 10-9 lead off a Kyle Salvatore man-up goal. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm not going to cut that up. I'm going to make you listen to that cough. I'm sick, so I'm fighting through this here. Boston U answered right back. They score with a minute 30 left to tie it 10-10 on a James Burr goal. And this just goes back and forth here. Harvard scores with 29 damn seconds left in the fourth quarter in the game. They take an 11-10 lead off a Charlie Olmert goal. And then Boston U, it, it, it's fitting. Gray, Chris Gray scores a freaky dive goal on a crazy dodge. He gets the ball and they blow the whistle off the, on just on the outside of the box with five seconds left. He goes right to the rack, dives across the crease, scores. Some people think that it should have been called back. Other people like me think it was good. You know, I don't think he was in the, the cone, the bottom of the cone area or the top, the ice cream part of the cone area that they they tell the players to stay out of he didn't quite make it there in his dive he doesn't make contact with the goalie although the goalie fell but there's a lot of people saying should have should have been a no goal and a penalty i'm cool with them giving it to him i think it was good crazy goal though uh the first two ot periods uh uneventful you know nothing really happened a bunch of wide shots and things of that sort third ot period Nigel Andrews wins it for Harvard, scoring from the crease. Charlie Omer assisted. Uh, Kyle Mullen, the Harvard goalie just before that in the third OT period, had a huge save to deny Boston U, and they ended up turning the ball over, and Boston U got it back. But that save, it was a a, a decent eight-yard shot that Boston U had got, and Mullen made the save, and then Harvard gets the ball in the ensuing possession and scores. Nigel Andrews scores the game winner from the crease. So excellent game. Crazy exciting. I think that's the second year in a row. Harvard has beat Boston U in overtime and for Harvard, Miles Ham three goals and an assist. Kyle Salvatore and Charlie Olmert go two goals and one assist. Kyle Mullen in goal, 19 saves for Harvard, 63% save percentage. So Mullen was huge in this victory for Harvard, especially down the stretch. Boston U, Chris Gray, he is the real deal. Ladies and gentlemen, this kid can play ball for reels, four goals, two assists. He played great throughout the game. James Burr, two goals and a helper. And Joe McSorley, 12 saves he was 50%. So that's, that's solid for a goalkeeper. Insanely exciting game, especially down the stretch with all the goals that were scored inside that last three and a half minutes or so, but a, a great win for Harvard, huge win for Harvard. Nonetheless, Harvard improves to three and four Boston U drops to six and three, but they're still, they're still okay. They've got a couple of good wins. They've played a pretty tough schedule. So Boston, U at six and three Harvard at three and four. Great game trying to keep up with the mid-level teams that are doing well, Hobart one of them. Hobart sitting at 5 and 1 coming into their game against Colgate. Colgate was sitting at 3 and 3. Colgate had a big win over Syracuse but have played Harry ever since then. But coming into the game at three and three, they were looking okay. And now they get a chance to try to play Hobart at five and one and see if they can't beat their upstate rival. And they couldn't. Turned out, nope, Colgate could not beat Hobart. Hobart beats them 12 to six. They kind of put the smack down on them a little bit. Hobart improves to six and one on the season. So probably depending on how they handle their business over the weekend, Hobart could finally end up eking into the top, top 20. Colgate drops to three and four, but 12, six game. It wasn't, it wasn't even as close as 12, six. Colgate, they jump out to an early two to one lead, and that was about all. They were able to really muster. Hobart scores six unanswered goals from there, starting with five oh five, starting at five oh five in the first, capped by a Ryan Archer goal with ten oh three left in the third, which gave Hobart a seven two lead at that point. Colgate scored with five fourteen left on a Bobby Goggin goal. That's kind of a cool name, Bobby Goggin. I dig that. Uh, that got him within seven to three, and then Hobart went off again. They go on a five goal run, uh, giving the Statesmen a twelve three lead with just under ten minutes in the fourth. That's the ball game. Uh, Colgate is able to rail off a couple of goals there towards the end to get within 12-6 and make it semi-respectable, but – it was it was over at twelve two. They had them at twelve three. I should say. Hobart, they now hold wins over four teams with records above 500. You look at their schedule, and they don't have any big names on there, but they have a lot of mid-level programs that are, are winning more games than they're losing thus far in the season. And their only loss so far was against Cornell, and, and they're solid, and that was a close game. Cornell's first game, it was like Hobart's third or fourth, but it was still, I think it was, what, 18-15 or 19-16 or something like that. Hobart, they have six players with 18 points or more, and they have five players with 20 points or more. I wanted to work in that six with 18 or more because I had one that was close to 20. Eric Holden for Hobart, four goals on the day. Derek Madonna nets a hat trick for the Statesman. And Sam Luquezi—or Luke. yeah, I think it's Lucchese is how they pronounced it. 11 saves, 64%. So he factored heavily in keeping Colgate out of it and keeping Colgate at bay. Hell of a game for our boy, Sam. Uh, so Hobart, six and one. So far, they are the real deal, and we'll see over the course of the next few weeks if they can just keep this up. It, it, it's, it, it'll be interesting for them. We have a lot of these teams that are sitting at 6-1, and 7-1, uh, and 5-1. and one. Um, Georgetown is another one that comes to mind. They haven't really played anybody yet. Ohio State. Uh, it, I think Ohio State's probably the best of these teams like Hobart, Georgetown, and Ohio State, where Ohio State's probably more the real deal. Than possibly Georgetown and 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 Hobart, but I don't know. I don't want to slam Georgetown for certain because Georgetown does have a couple of legit attackmen. So I digress. Cornell put the beat down on the Bonnies. Cornell improves to five and two. They're sitting at number five right now. They beat Saint Bonaventure eighteen to three. The Bonnies dropped to zero and six. John Piatelli four goals and a helper. Jeff Teat four assists on the day. No goals though, so he was quiet there. And Clark Peterson three goals and one assist on the day. So Cornell. Last year, defense was shaky in the beginning of the season. Offense looked okay. By the end of the season, offense looked incredible. Defense was playing really solid team defense, very good help defense. This year, defense looks shaky. Beginning of the year, one might say their defense looks poor. At this point, the beginning of the year, outside of a couple of the tough teams they've played, where they've won uh, offensively, they're looking decent. But I want to see Connor Fletcher and a couple other guys start stepping up. Connor Fletcher's the big one. He's been quiet the last couple of weeks. He scored a couple of big goals, but I want to see him put up a few more points. It might just not be needed with with how their team's built, though. But Fletcher, he's my big cat. He's one. Of, he's my third favorite midi uh, this year in Division One. My first favorite midi, Brian Costabile. My second favorite midi, Doc's Aitken, and my third favorite midi, Connor Fletcher. For Cornell, so either way, Cornell five and two, uh, they'll 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 be okay here, and they're going to keep rolling, and uh, we'll see how the Bonnies do. I, I I don't think the Bonnies are going to get a win this season. It's not looking good for them. Um, but first year programs, it's great to have them there, and they're in an excellent spot uh, from a recruiting standpoint where they can hit up Canada pretty easily. They have easy access to Canada, upstate New York. So good luck to the Bonnies, but Cornell. There are a bunch of games at the Division One level worth following. I'm going to get into a few of them, a handful of them, let's say. I'm going to try to cap it at five, although I'll probably probably ramble on you here. Uh, one of the first ones, as I'm going through the schedule, you know, on Saturday from noon up, is Denver traveling to play Towson noon on Saturday. That's going to be a really big game for both teams. Towson needs a win badly. Denver needs a win badly. So both teams desperate at this point. Both teams are solid. Both teams are sitting pretty, but it, you know, still, this is a huge marquee matchup for both of them. Another big one, I wouldn't call it huge by any means, but it's big in my mind simply because I'm curious to see how this team keeps doing, is Marquette at Georgetown. Georgetown gets to host Marquette. Marquette, not great, not bad. They can beat you know, they can hang with anybody when they need to. Georgetown sitting with just one loss right now. Can they continue those winning ways? Can, can they continue to ride their, their attack and their balanced, their balanced scoring output uh, to another victory? Probably. Probably. They probably can, and they kind of need to, because but but their schedule doesn't get too bad. They're, they're going to see a couple of tougher teams here down the stretch, but they they have a very favorable schedule, and they could very easily, I think it's be heading to Denver at, at nine and one. I think I saw someone, someone say they could be heading to Denver with just one loss, sitting it with like nine wins or something to that effect, um, and I think it was Denver that was mentioned. Another big one this weekend is Yale hitting the road to play Ivy League foe Princeton. Princeton, desperate. Desperate for a win. They lose this game, their season is look it looks really dismal from there. So Princeton needs a win against a very tough Yale and it's going to be very difficult to beat Yale. Their their defense is starting to click finally. Uh, TD Ireland, Erlen, Ireland, whatever the hell his name is because now I've had three people tell me three different things. Please somebody that has authority hit me up on Facebook or Twitter or even in the comments here. Tell me is it Ireland or is it Erlen? I don't want to sound stupid and I've heard all, all sorts of people say people say all sorts of Different ways. But yeah, Yale's going to be tough. I don't, I don't, I, I I'd like to see Princeton get a win just because I like to see Parody. But Yale is playing really tough lacrosse right now, and Princeton not so much. And, and Yale's strength being their close defenseman against Princeton, Princeton's strength being their attackman. Uh, just the matchups just don't look good for Princeton at this point. Another big Ivy League matchup. Penn on the road playing Cornell. And Penn. They lose three games early. They start out 0-3. They're only sitting at 3-3 and right now. So on paper, you'd be like, hey, 5-2 and two, Cornell ranked as highly as they are, 3-3 three and three, Penn. But the reality is Penn goes 0-3 because they played Maryland, Duke, and Penn State their first three games. That's their first three losses, and they haven't lost again since. So Cornell is going to have all they can handle with Penn. And I mean, if you told me to pick that one. I'm telling you to flip a coin. That's how good I think Penn is. And I, I'm, not, I'm just not sure Cornell's defense is quite there yet to, to, to handle this like they should on paper. So I think that's going to be a hell of a game up in Cornell. Another uh, big one here is Ohio State getting their first real Test of the season on the road against Notre Dame at one o'clock on Saturday. Ohio State was just one loss thus far, but they haven't really played anybody yet. Notre Dame—they've been battle tested and they're ready to roll. They're coming off a, a weekday win here Tuesday against Michigan, so uh, Notre Dame gets gets a chance to beat two Big Ten teams here in a in a single week. That'll be huge for them. And we have North Carolina at Maryland, so that's going to be a big one. ACC versus Big Ten, Maryland. Look, they're they're playing really tough lacrosse right now. Jared Bernhardt has looked unstoppable. And then it's just, you know, pick your poison. Who are you going to try to stop? Bernhardt, uh, Fairman was I mean, they they you can go, they they're deep offensively, and from a goalkeeping standpoint, they've been getting they've been getting solid goalkeeping play. Their defense looks strong. That's going to be a really tough out for North Carolina. But Carolina on any given day can beat anyone. So the Tar Heels, this is one of the best early seasons they've had in a while. So Maryland, they're not going to sit there and and take North Carolina lightly, but North Carolina is going to have their hands full on the road at Maryland against a a Maryland team that's just clicking on all cylinders right now. Don't don't let their close games fool you. They're just now starting to put teams away and beat them a little bit more convincingly. So Maryland, I think, is primed now for their run to try to get back to Memorial Day weekend. So that's going to be a hell of a game to watch. That is at four o'clock and that's on ESPNU. So be sure to check that one out. And the last one on Saturday, that I wanted to talk about Virginia at Hopkins. Long time old school rivalry. Two teams that can just fill it up. Hopkins defensively has not been great this year, but they've shorted up the last couple of weeks. Virginia offensively, they're just freaking incredible, but they're to a, to a degree bipolar. You don't know which team you're going to get out of Virginia. Uh you know, they 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 they, they they don't play great defense either, but typically offensively, they're gonna they're gonna be able to put up some points. So that that's going to promise to be a, a hell of a game, though. Regardless, that is on six. That is at six p.m. and that is going to be on ESPN. So you'll be able to watch that via the Watch ESPN app or on ESPN three or whatever the hell they call it these days. And then Sunday, big game on Sunday, and it's actually kind of a weird big deal. Duke on the road at Syracuse. They are not playing this game in the dome. The dome is uh, has girls basketball playoffs going on. Uh, So Syracuse is having this game played at uh, uh, CNS High School up in Syracuse. So they'll be playing it outside. This game's also on ESPNU. This one's on at 2 p.m. So I, I guess it's just before the Maryland and the North Carolina game. But it'll be cool to see Syracuse playing a home game Outside of the dome at a local high school, I believe they seat about 5,000. So it'll be, a, it'll be cool because usually at the dome, they're going to put 2000 to 5,000 fans in the dome and it looks really spread out. The dome is enormous and, and it, even where there's 5,000 fans, it never looks packed. I suspect at this game where they're flipping to the stands, it's going to look packed because this is going to be. A smaller stadium. This is going to be a lot more familiar to a lot of the mid level D1 teams in terms of the way this stadium is set up. So, very interesting, very cool thing for the Q's fans. No beer. Everybody's wondering why the Q's fans are so upset that this game's being held uh, off campus at a high school. It's because you can't have beer and dome dogs, beer. Most teams don't understand how spoiled you are at the dome at the dome. You don't just get to drink beer. You get to drink micro brews. And I mean, they're not even that expensive any somewhere in between seven to 10 bucks for a, a tasty beer and you get your dome dogs. So take the beer away from the Syracuse fans in the cold and make them sit in the cold with no beer and then take away their, their damn dome dogs. People are going to be upset. This is, this is just how it works. Huge game though. So be sure to check it out. As always, be sure to like, I think that's over here and subscribe. That's going to be way over here in the corner and hit the notification bell so that you get pinged in your pocket. When we put up a new video. And thank you. We're over 4,000 subscribers. I don't know how the hell that happened, but it did. So we have more than 4,000 subscribers. I think we're over like 4150 at this point. So that is awesome. But if you really want to help us out, you can also go to the website. You can buy t shirts. We have t shirts, this t shirt here, $10 uh, plus just $3 for shipping. So it's 13 bucks all in. You get yourself a cool Lax Factor Lacrosse t shirt. And we have a bunch of other t shirts up there. But really, We don't even care about that. All we ask you is that you subscribe and like the video. And that's it. Enjoy. Thank you.